Hey everybody, welcome to episode six of the Doctrines of Rad. I am Drew and this is... I'm Logan. What's up, That's guys? Logan. Hi, Logan. Nice to meet you. So uh, I've had a really crappy evening, dude. So wow, I... Uh, um, it's been uh, just frustrating with stuff going on with my... Um, kid's computer is messed up i've been it's been a long it's been a long day man i and i it's just the devil dude i mean like legit yes. every distraction that could possibly happen has happened so i get that uh, but welcome everybody stuff with my family started kicking off right before this is like whoa <laughs> yeah yeah so um I'm, I'm going to get a little personal but uh my wife and i are trying to be very purposeful in having married people married people time mm-hmm. and we're you know we've been married for 20 years so let's just be real about it okay so we uh yeah, things aren't years. always uh they're not always as spicy as they could be and we are trying uh to spice things up and to get closer together as the bible calls you know husbands and wives to come together to become one flesh uh that has been just uh just a demonic attack so here we are. <laughs> I feel that. Um, but uh, I, it's been other than aside from that, it's been it's been actually a really nice week. And I know that we talked last week, or was it last? It was this weekend that we talked, and I had mentioned to you about my desire to get rid of Facebook or not Facebook TikTok. Yeah, TikTok completely. Uh, and I don't feel like I don't feel like the Lord is is pursuing that. Unmarried ears. Sorry, Royal Hope Mission. Uh, but uh, perhaps my my marriedness will encourage you uh, <laughs> and give you something to look forward to. Um, but uh, let's see if I can adjust my camera here a little bit. So uh, it's been it's kind of been a wild ride this weekend, man. I I felt like uh, I was in a in a place where my pride. Like my ego was really being affected by, I know it's just a joke, brother, your brother or sister. I forget if you're male or female, uh, but there are only two genders. Uh, Rissa said she got rid of uh, her TikTok. Okay. Um, And you moved over from the TikToks. Congrats, Rissa. That's a big deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I think that there are benefits to social media. I think there, you know, it's kind of a neutral territory, Mm. but I think that people, I'll I'll just say, I'll speak for me. So I won't speak for anybody else because no one else is dealing with, you know, the things that I'm dealing with. So I deal with arrogance and pride. Uh, And whenever I see someone saying something that is either blatantly wrong or generally wrong, I yeah. feel like I have to do something to combat it. Like I have to speak out against it or make a video to reply or, or something as if I'm some sort of like checks and balances and, and Q Q and a for God, right? Like, right. Oh, this person, you know, says this very wrong thing about scripture or, or what I consider to be very wrong or, or, maybe disrespectful or maybe has a low view of scripture. I feel like I have to jump in and, you know, correct the problem when, when I'm not the pastor, I'm not the person that is responsible for this person's walk in their life with the Lord. On top of that, 
I I need to stop thinking that I'm right. Mm. Like, do you ever feel that way? Like, I I genuinely I, I need yeah. to stop thinking that I'm right. I I'm have not. that problem in my marriage where I'm just automatically assuming I'm right about something. Yeah, um, and just completely discrediting my wife's like perspective on the situation. So, yeah, that's it's, a that'll get fun. you. You know, it's it's funny that it's Pride Month and uh, I'm dealing with pride. Mm. And uh, so let's here. Here's what I want to do, Logan. And let's see if we can start a movement with the seven people that are watching. And hopefully lots of people after is let's look at June as Pride Month as a way that we can destroy our own pride. And we can can actually put down. Let's think about how prideful we are in the eyes of ourselves. Uh, and how arrogant we can be in relation to who we are in God. And let's consider the month of June to be the month that we put off pride, that we put off our ego, our self, our um, self-importance, our yeah. arrogance. Um, you know, whether, you know, I, I don't I don't know what it's going to take, man. Um, but, you know, if the world can use this month as a way to celebrate debauchery and evil, uh, we can absolutely use it as a, a way to uh, instill righteousness and grace and mercy. Um, but uh, Royal Hope says, I, I kind of do the opposite. I think I'm always wrong. <laughs> so what if we, what if we talk about that? All right. So yeah, why is it. pride a bad thing? That's a good question. Um, I'll give you I'll give you my own, uh, I guess, term, term or, yeah, or yeah. give me your own, so, like, yeah, your own definition of, for the wrongness of pride. So when the Bible tells us that, uh, we should boast in the Lord only, I have to think about how much do I boast, uh, of my own things, whether the own, my, the things that I do, um, that are, you know, maybe the Lord has done but I take credit for it. Uh, and I think ultimately pride is a, is having a sense that uh, considering myself better than other people. Mm-hmm. Pride for me is considering myself either smarter, um, better off, wealthier, better looking, whatever the case may be, thinner, fatter, however. Pride is... Uh, not considering people better than myself. And that's ultimately where Paul tells us, and I believe it's in Colossians, um, but we should not be thinking of ourselves. Uh, we should be thinking of others as better than us. Yeah, I like that. And so when we do when, when we do that, it, it means to say that, well, God has made me better or God has made me think better or God has done, you know, whatever. Ultimately, making it where I think that I'm better. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, God doesn't need me. Uh. And, uh, and I, I need to, to stop thinking that I'm necessary. And that's why, you know, for TikTok, I, you know, feel like this weird savior of people or this corrector of persons, but God doesn't, God will do that on his own. Sanctification comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from the Drew. You know, it's not, it's not incumbent upon me to correct and fix. So what do you, what do you think about pride? Yeah, it's a, uh, the, the, 
main thing that comes to mind is just the selfishness of it, right? Uh, when we're prideful, we're selfish, right? We're self-full. We're thinking about ourselves and um, we're putting our own aspect. You are typing away. <laughs> You're put, we're putting our own aspects of of what is important and we're applying that across, um, I guess, the spectrum of like humanity, mm. right? And we're, um, like you said, we begin to lift or elevate ourselves above others. But um, more importantly, we should evaluate pride in the sense of I am a creature of the dirt. And what does that mean in the presence of a holy and righteous God? Can I even, am I even allowed to have pride if there is a, a God out there well no mm-hmm. right because i i didn't make myself i i, I didn't come all right i was never not i i have never not been right which god has always been mm-hmm. so uh but yeah, you have a start then, and an end exactly uh and god does not right so when we think about it when we when we have pride where it becomes idolatry right so all sin eventually leads back to some kind some form of idolatry right uh you choosing to have one sin um that you you know favor a lot right your favorite little sin well mm. it becomes an idol in your life uh but james 4 6 but he gives us more grace that is why scripture says god opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble he quite literally opposes our pride wow. he does not want us to be proud Right. If we boast, we must boast in the Lord. Yeah. James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It's, yeah. it's important, right? Go ahead. Philippians 2.3. Uh, that was, I was the just about that. I was, I was just yeah. about to do it. <laughs> do, nothing, <laughs> uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, which empty conceit and conceitedness is also pride. Uh, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves so ultimately the reason that pride uh is not good is i think it 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 makes it puffs us up it makes us consider ourselves better than other people and that is directly opposed to scripture that's directly opposed to what god tells us to do yeah we should be humbling ourselves and taking ourselves and making ourselves a servant right the same way there's jesus had uh um, servant leadership displayed, right? Jesus displayed his servant leadership. That is the same way we should be serving the church. And if we're proud and boastful, we're making it about us. We're making the kingdom of God about us instead of mm. about who it's really about. So if I boast in anything, I boast only in the Lord. Well, speaking of boasting, I have been reading a book, Logan. I don't know if you've read this, but it talks a lot about boasting in the Lord. Do you have any idea what book I may be talking about? It's is, not it the one, <laughs> is it the one you just you sent me a screenshot of today? I did. I did. Uh, Do you know what well, that, that book is? No, I forgot the title. All right. I'm going to show you. The Potter's Freedom by yeah, James yeah, yeah. White. Now, this is a direct uh, response to Norman Geisler's Chosen But Free book, which it tries to answer the question, how is God fully sovereign and man fully free? So the the Potter's Freedom uh, talks very much, and, and you and I can, I think, both appreciate this when it comes to arrogance and pride, but um, is it, don't you think that it's prideful to think that you can do something that God cannot do? 
Mm. I mean, and that's a genuine question. And this is for the people that are listening uh, in the audience too. Is it, is it prideful and boastful to claim or proclaim that you can do something that God cannot? And uh, I think the, I think all of us are going to answer like resoundedly. No, like that's not okay. It's, it is prideful. Yes, it is prideful. It's not okay for us to do that. It's not okay to consider ourselves to do something that God. So then why do people say that God cannot impact our free will or our will and draw us to himself regardless of what we want? Yeah. Man is free, but God is more free. Man is easily susceptible to the environment around them. Right. So I never make a decision that is free in the sense of it being um, in a vacuum. Right. Mm-hmm. I can't make a free decision because the decision I'm making is based on my environment and the thing or event that occurred beforehand. Right. Law of causality, um, cause and effect. Right. I put on this shirt because I bought this shirt. And I was like, I really want to wear this shirt today. It's green. It pops my eyes. I want to be kind of wearing green. Look at that. We're both that, wearing that green. Today. <laughs> but like you don't make free decisions in a vacuum. And God easily, and you'll see this in scripture a lot, where he he motivates our decisions in a direction where we are freely making those decisions, yet not without his divine sovereign control. And providence over it all. And it is arrogant to say, hey, I I am free and God cannot interfere with that. There's nothing God cannot do. Yeah, it's a very interesting, um, it, as I read this book, you know, I, I spend a lot of time around reformed people, you know, you being one of them, of course, my, my wife, you know, and the people that I do talk to. So I really kind of take for granted that most people kind of already it's it's like an echo chamber typically when i when i speak you know if i'm speaking of the sovereignty of god if i'm speaking of election and predestination and all of those things typically the people around me agree so there there isn't a lot of challenge and i don't typically hear the challenges as much as i used to and in this book i'm just uh i'm reading the challenges that are are being made to the idea of election and to the idea of predestination. And uh, it's so off, man. I mean, it's so like people have such a strong desire to have to like have a free will, like to add something to their own salvation. People so desperately want to be a part of their salvation so bad that they they insist that, well, it must be, it, it, I, I have to do something, right? I have to believe. I have to, to you know, do these things. I, it, and it almost becomes an arrogance where it's like, well, thank God that I, I chose him. Thank God that I believed in him, right? Like, you, God should be thanking me that we have this relationship because I decided to put my hope and trust in him. And I, you know, without, without my own will, without my own activation... Um, God wouldn't be able to save me. Like how are, who is free? Like you, you said it right, Logan. I don't think people hear it. I don't think people hear what you said. We are free in the sense of we have this, we have this ability to make choices. Okay. We can't deny that, that I have an ability to make a choice. I can pick up this pen 
and put it down. Correct. The question, the question isn't about the freedom to pick up this pen and put it down. But when you start to say that, well, God, you know, God knows that I picked up this pen. So then he's all knowing, but no, God doesn't just know. He doesn't just find out. He doesn't just come to realize that I picked up the pen. There is an active piece in that, that may be missing, but ultimately it's driven by God. It's all driven by God because with, without it, God has to go back and correct and, and fix mistakes. Real quick, I I, I want to correct something. Uh, so the um, Zila Zia, and uh, Chris, uh, she's a sister in the faith. I found her TikTok a couple about a month ago, I think. Um, so I said, God can. There's nothing God cannot do. Well, th- so that's that in the context that I was using it in the sense of man telling God no. Sure. Um, but there are things God cannot do, right? He can't be Ill, in, illogical, right? right? He can't make a square circle. He can't make a single bachelor um, or a married bachelor, excuse me, whichever way it is. Um, yeah, no, you were right. <laughs> yeah. Married bachelor, you're good. A married bachelor. So he can't, he he cannot go against his own nature, right? God cannot, or quite literally cannot not be everywhere, right? He's he is everywhere. God cannot not exist, right? So there are certain things, certain attributes that he is, and it's just, he cannot go against those things, right? So God cannot lie. God cannot change. He's immutable. Um, when, if, if God were, so when God makes a promise and he puts his word behind it and he makes a, a vow on his name, he quite literally has to honor that he has confined himself to his own word. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. we see that with the promise to Abraham and God has now sealed himself to his own word. Um, and he can't break that. Right. Because he, that would, that would be a flaw in his character. Um, so yeah, there's quite literally things God cannot do, but it's not in the sense that because it's, like he's limited in a sense, but because it would go against who he is, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it would just be illogical. Um, and now, so she's she then she makes the claim that okay, but we are similarly confined to our own nature. If God is confined to His own nature, uh, the only nature we're confined to is our sin, is our flesh, until we are freed from that through the Holy Spirit, right? Until we are regenerated to come to faith, right. um, and you are confined to that. You are conf- like you, you cannot. Well, you I mean, just like as a, a human Jesus being can't fly. It's right. not in our nature to fly, right? Like, exactly. so that's we we're born into this human, human nature. No matter how much we will it, we can't just lift off the ground and go into the atmosphere. Like, that's just Sim- not in our nature to do so. So, similarly, it's not in our nature for dead sinners to do anything because dead people don't do. Right yeah. until we're brought to life. Um, well, I just you know no, and, so, what is it? First, uh, First Corinthians twelve three. No one can confess that Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. It literally takes an act of us being regenerated for us to confess that Christ is Lord over our life and truly, truly mean it. Go ahead. Yeah, um, there was a good explanation about the the use of foreknowledge or predetermined. Because a lot of people will make the argument that uh, God's foreknowledge and predetermination happen at the same time. And what they'll try to say is 
they will uh, make the claim that, well, because God doesn't violate people's free will, right? That because apparently that's an unloving characteristic. Apparently, I, to me, I find it to be pretty loving that me being unable to save myself, God saved me. That's Amen. very loving. You know, God Amen. forced me into a relationship with him that I love. Uh, and anybody that is in a relationship with their creator will love it too. Uh, as and you know tried. why that, you, you know why that is, you know why you love that? You know why you don't feel like your, your freedom's been violated is yeah. be, because he's quite literally the greatest anything. He's the fulfillment anything, of everything. Anything that could be offered to us. He yes. is the greatest portion of that. Yep. He satisfies like we, every need. We are most satisfied in God when he is, when we, when we take the most joy in God is when we are most satisfied in him. Right. So, mm. um, whatever uh john piper's christian hedonism is um, yeah i am it is drawing a blank right now i cannot think of how that saying god goes. is most glorified glorified in us when we are, are most satisfied, satisfied in him, him. yes yeah, yeah. it was coming it was coming to me <laughs> yes yeah uh so the the example that they used in trying to no you're great you're great that's a great thing people don't need you know it's all right that you messed that up logan you suck anyway uh that's my pride yeah that's your pride um the example that they give when it comes to the reason that, uh, well, what some people think when it says, well, God decrees or God foreordains, God foreknows or whatever, they try to, to use an example of, well, God, he sees it because he's not limited to time. So he can see the future. He can see down the corridor of time or whatever. And so he knows the, the response before it even happens yeah. and that sort of thing. But the the problem with that is, and this is the th- the point that I try to really drive home to people when they ask about election, predestination, reform theology. Um, the problem with that is, is that at, at some point, if you follow that path logically and consistently, then some point God does not know. He re- he, he's responding he's, to versus well, causing, causing it to occur. Well, right. yes, responding to, but also if he's responding to something, that means he's not in control of it. If, if right. God is, is responding to, is he, if he's reacting to, let's say uh, I go out and I, you know, murder somebody or whatever. Right. And then like God, you know, God doesn't go and rush and like fix everything and put it back into order so that his plan is still uh, resulting in the way that he said it would be from the beginning. Right. Like, uh, <sighs> The, the example I wanted to use is that uh, God isn't like if the if 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 I say the pool is 70 degrees. Right. And then I go in and I, I, I dip my toe into it to confirm that it's 70 degrees. Well, that's just that's that's what a lot of people will say is how God sees or understands, you know, the with the foreknowledge and the predetermination is like, well, um uh, the the pool is meant to be 70 degrees so god goes and he dips his finger in then he declares yes it's 70 degrees right like or god sets the thermostat for the pool to be 70 degrees and then he knows that the pool is 70 degrees because he declared it to be that way so it, he doesn't go to find out because at some point if he goes to find something out then at some point he doesn't know the thing until he finds it out 
Exactly. So that that is in direct contradiction to God being the author and the finisher, the alpha and the omega. If God is God is either writing the story or he's watching the story. And if there's a God, if this God is watching the story, then how what hope can we have that the story will complete the way that he said? If it is dependent on the will of man for God's story to be completed from beginning to end, then we fail. We fail already. And that God is not a real God. Zia, are you a are you a Molinist? She said. She said. Here's a thought: quantum theory, observer's theory. He is present in all possibilities, so that it would still limit him, right? So God is causing the possibility to occur, right? Not an atom in this universe moves without His divine decree. So the idea behind Molinism, and I think what she's saying is is ultimately that like, well, God, I, and I've heard this theory. <laughs> she said she doesn't know what it is. <laughs> so I've heard this theory before is like, well, it's God, okay. in order to get the best outcome, he knows every possible circumstance for every person in his infinite knowledge knows, uh, he knows you know, every, I guess, it, think of it in the multiverse type of way, right? Like he knows every single multiverse. He knows what encompasses all the multiverses. And so the idea behind a lot of that middle knowledge stuff is that God chose the best situation based on the idea of free will. Like when he started earth, when he started the plan, he was like, well, I need, you know, I need these people to have free will to freely choose me. And so here, I'm rolling the dice. Here is one possibility. And then he looks down the corridor of time and sees, no, that there's not enough people saved. He rolls the dice again. Another possibility. Looks down the corridor of time. Oh, that's a little bit better scenario. Let's keep rolling the dice. So he, the idea is that he knows all of the infinite possibilities and then chooses the best one. Yeah. But the problem with that is that those possibilities still overrule God. He's still limited to his own. He's limited to these possibilities that are outside of himself. So isn't it easier instead of philosophizing that God could have done this or could have done that? Is it not easier to go with the most basic understanding of what the scripture says that when he, when he wrote our story, when he, uh, created everything when, I mean, you, you have, so the question is, was Jesus plan a or not? Oh, from the beginning, from the beginning of the garden, was Jesus plan A or was Jesus plan B because things went awry and sin took over and God had to send Christ. So God, so Jesus was plan A from creation, right? From before the, before the foundation of the earth, Jesus, the the lamb was slain, right? Um, So Christ was plan A from the get go, right? So the, and, and so she said, does does he share his authority? So God shares his authority in the sense of he he gave Lucifer authority to to tempt and uh, hurt Job, right? Because mm. Lucifer could not do it; he could not harm him. And then he and then he also limits Lucifer's authority, uh, Satan's authority, to do anything um, or do particular things in the process, right? Um, to not uh, to not kill him, right? So if we're talking about sharing his authority. In that sense, well, you got to understand that he's still divinely controlling that outcome. Um, mm. I, I don't think he shares his authority of salvation with us, though, right? He he 
he quite literally calls us to himself. Um, we don't get to, we, we don't, and people want to hold on to this. We don't get to share in our salvation. We, yeah, we don't share we the glory get, with God. Guys. It, and here's the thing. I, I like, if you want to be Arminian or a Molinist, that's fine. I don't care. I just hear me out. Serve Jesus. Just serve Jesus. <laughs> just, just serve Jesus and his flock and his people. But here's yes. the thing. If you share in your, in your salvation in some way, right? If you, if you, if you participate in a way that actually brings you to salvation, you get some of the glory in that because yeah. you are partially responsible for your own salvation. That that's blasphemy. because without your choice to be saved, you wouldn't be saved according to people who think that God does not rip and people thank, out of their situations. <laughs> and, and right. And I, I, and I, and I get it. People don't want to think that that's taken from them, but thank God I didn't have a choice to choose him or not because I, the Bible is very clear. I would have rejected him. And so yeah. many people do it every single day. I am so grateful that he brought me a dead sinner to life so that I can recognize him and have faith. in Well, him. I mean, where, where did, where did Jesus confer with Lazarus before bringing him back to life? When did <laughs> hey, Jesus, Jesus... hey, Lazarus, you want to get up, man? All right, come out. <laughs> come on like, out, bro. Jesus didn't stand outside of Lazarus's tomb and call to Lazarus, hoping that Lazarus would be, would be brought back to life. No, there, there was no hope in that. Jesus very clearly, and in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and without and without the word, nothing was created. So when the word spoke, and it spoke to Lazarus, and it said, Lazarus, come out, it brought that dead man to life. It wasn't, he didn't, he didn't confer with Lazarus. Lazarus didn't have a choice in that. Lazarus didn't bring himself back. And it, that's almost like saying, well, Lazarus could have just been like, nah, I'm good. When the creator of the universe calls you out, you respond. He is our creator. The only reason that you are here is because he deemed it so. Yep. He deemed it so. He deemed every hair on your head, every thought in your brain, every relationship that you've had. He has decreed from the foundation of the earth, before the foundation of the earth. The Bible says that before the, he, uh, he chose us in him. Before the foundation of the earth, how can that mean anything else than he chose us in him before the foundation of the earth? I don't understand. I don't yeah. get how other people don't see that. Like, get put your pride aside for a second and glorify God. Acknowledge that the creator has the power. God's will is free. God can do whatever he wants. And, and for man to boast in that, to think that there's anything that man can do, I mean, how arrogant and haughty are we? Absolutely. And guys, uh, if you guys could go to the Doctrines of, Rad, uh, Doctrines of Rad YouTube channel, I'd love to see your comments there so we can display them on the screen for everyone. Um, yes, please. So, uh, Zia, I want to say Zaya, like Zaya, like where the, it's the double L. You know, Maybe like it's like Zillow. Zilla. <laughs> but they, no, so, so she, she kind of followed up, right? So if it's, if it's God's will or God's desire that none should perish, what does that mean? Right? Yeah. If we, well, especially when we see that people are perishing, what do we do with that? So let's go to second Peter. That's a great question. So maybe, you know, originally we were going to do 
sorry for typing, but uh, well, I'm gonna this lead, this the, this whole conversation brings us back to pride for one reason. It yeah. is a prideful assumption to say that you play a a a determinant role in your salvation, right? Yeah. That you can determine if you are or are not saved. But see, here's the good news, right? Here's the good news of the gospel. This is why the gospel, the Evangelion, is good news, is that because you have been given this free gift of salvation, right? Because it is a gift to you and you didn't do anything to earn it, then you have been sealed, right? You can't do anything to lose it. He is going to sustain you. He is going to sanctify you. He is quite literally the same person who brought you to life is going to keep you and move you through the process of becoming and wrapping you in his righteousness on the day of judgment. He does all of it. And I'm not worthy of that. I'm not better than anybody else. I've just accepted it. I could be wrong. I could not, I could probably not be truly regenerated and not saved, you know, but regardless, I, I still trust him and I love him. And I, if, even if I'm burning in hell, I hope that I'm still trusting and loving him wherever I end if the up. Lord, in and we've had this conversation. If the Lord we, were to decide in his sovereign decree to send us to hell, I would accept it and still glorify him. Yes. I'm not, no and one, that's not a joke. Like I, I would, I'm, I'm telling you right now, if I found out that I would still say God is so good and then that he must be right. And I must be wrong. Hey guys, I see the guest request. Um, when we do our live podcast, we don't let anyone in unless they are a guest speaker to the topic. At hand. And if you guys could go to the YouTube, that would be great because again, we can get your comments so we can actually address your comments directly on the YouTube channel. Uh, and it would be a lot easier for everybody to see it, but however, no pressure, stay on TikTok if you want to. Um, let's address Logan real quick. You brought up this verse. All right. Second yeah. Peter three, nine, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And people use this as a, as sort of a proof text for, well, God wants everybody, but you can't. You cannot just pick a verse in the Bible and decide that this applies to everything. It's it really, that's, it's, uh, it's not fair. It's not fair to the scripture. It's not fair to the original writers. So if we're going to use, if we're going to use that verse first, uh, second Peter three, nine, well, we need to know who is it being written to in, in the very beginning, uh, of second Peter three, it says, dear friends. This is now my second letter to you. So who is he writing it to? Peter is, Peter is not writing to everybody that will listen. This is a letter to the church. So when Peter is saying that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, because even in verse 8 it says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. What right. is his promise? His promise is he's coming back. That's what Peter's referring to. Instead, he's patient with you and he's not wanting anyone to perish. Anyone who? Anyone reading this letter that Peter wrote to the church. These are He is writing it to the church. Yep, God is not is willing. That is truly saved. So somebody asked, you can do nothing to lose your salvation. Let me see if I can Correct. find it. Um, let me see. Uh, so you can't do anything to lose it. No, I couldn't do anything to earn it. How can I lose it? But here's the thing. I'm referring to a person that is truly regenerated, right? That is 
has been brought to saving faith. That individual, I believe I am. I believe I have true saving faith. I could be wrong. Um, regardless if I'm wrong or not, I'm going to spend the rest of my life serving Christ, um, which is kind of a sign of like that. If if we could judge some fruit, like probably I can have some assurance in that, that I, I truly have made Christ Lord over my life. Right. Uh, but if I if that is the case, right, that he he quite literally has done the work and you can't lose it and he's going to sustain you and he's going to keep you and nobody can snatch you out of his hand and the work that he has begun in you. He will see it through to completion. But no, you cannot lose it. Now I'm referring well, to somebody that is truly saved. There's a lot of false converts out there and they walk away from the If you could lose faith. your salvation, guys, you would. Yeah, you definitely would. <laughs> you would lose your salvation. You, once, I would lose it. If I could lose it, it, I would. Once again, if I could have had the choice to not choose Jesus or choose him, my sinful heart, my flesh would have said, those restrictions you will not put on me. I reject him. But luckily, I have come to see him as the God and king that he is. Amen. So let's talk about reform perspective says you can't nudge a corpse. You must be regenerated before you respond. So again, going back to monergism, going back to the, the comments about Lazarus. All right. Lazarus is dead. All right. He's in the tomb. He has been interred. He's dead. Jesus waited three days. Do you ever, does anybody know why Jesus waited three days to go visit Lazarus in the tomb? I know, I know, you know, you better know this Logan, but let's, let's tell other. So if you've never asked yourself this question, why did, why would Jesus wait three days after getting the word that Lazarus, who was a a beloved friend of his had died? Logan, why would he wait three days? Because there was a Jewish thought that the spirit, it was, uh, it was a, lore or belief at that time uh, in true in jewish tradition that the spirit kind of hung around the corpse for three days and on the yes. fourth day it was kind of like sealed that uh, that spirit has descended to sheol um to either the the abraham's bosom or to the other place that we see in the parable of lazarus and the and the rich ruler that's right so um, going back to what you said, monergism. Now there are there there are, these are two different thoughts. There, are monergism and synergism. Mm-hmm. Now that these are both opposed to each other. The idea of moner, monergism is that God does all of the work. It is completely and utterly your salvation is completely and utterly dependent upon God's saving work. Period. Synergism says so. Let picture it. Let's picture it in a. Um, as a, as like a cartoon, right? There's this really cool one out there. I'll see if I can find it later, but monergism is you are laying, you are a dead body on the bottom of the ocean. You are just a corpse. You are on the bottom of the ocean. There is no hope for you. And God reaches down his arm, grabs you as a corpse, yanks it out of the water and breathes life into you. That's monergism. God does all the work. Synergism is the idea that we are floating in the water and we are all on this, this river floating down into danger, but we're all floating. We're all kind of neutral. And God is at the bank of the river, reaching out his hand saying, grab me. There is danger. Grab me. And those who grab him 
are the ones who are saved. That's synergism. That means that you and God work in synergy. Everybody hates that word, synergy, right? It's a it's a buzz buzzword for people that work. I'm retired. I don't work, so I don't care. But uh, what's that but like? Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. We can talk about retirements and how good <laughs> God is. We'll uh, do a whole episode on yeah. not wasting your retirement. That's right. Uh, so monergism, again, the idea that you are at the bottom of the ocean, you are not floating along on this raft of life. Uh, you are at the bottom of the ocean dead in your sin. You are a dead man and a dead man can do nothing but be a dead man until mm. God reaches into the depths of the ocean, rips you out of that, breathes his life into you and places you on solid ground in Christ. That's monergism. All right. And that is the reformed perspective of salvation. And- can I add something to that? Since we're Absolutely. talking about pride and we've moved into this topic and it, it, it goes so well together. Yeah. For those of you that are are sitting there thinking, no, I, I did play a role, right? I did do something. I did reach out to him, right? Um, can I, can I just tell you to think about what you're saying, right? Yes. That, that you were take you were trying to retain some of the glory for yourself, right? That you participated in it. Give God all the glory. Amen. Submit submit to that. And here's the thing. When I finally, so I didn't, I remember walking into a church and not believing in once saved, only saved. And the pastor basically started preaching on John six. And I was like, well, I'm out of here. Right. Mm. But when I finally came to the assurance that, you know what, maybe he is truly sovereign, right? Maybe he truly is in control. And if he is, then that makes sense for the evil in this world. That makes mm. sense for uh, me, me, my life making sense, right? Like the, I had a pretty, can I say this? I had a pretty shitty childhood, right? I had some traumatic. How, how dare you use a word like shitty? <laughs> I, it, I, ha- I have to, because it's the only word that expresses the like turmoil that occurred, right? <laughs> how dare um, you? There was sir. a lot of bad things that occurred, but because I know God is in control, and he is sovereign and he his providence has used my childhood to make me the man that I am today. And I wouldn't change a thing about it. Right? If I could go back in time and change it, I wouldn't because I, I don't want to not be where I'm at now. I see the guest request, guys. We, we don't take guests on Mondays um, during our live podcast. Um, but Oops. Here, here's the wow, that's cool. I didn't mean uh, to do that. Sorry. <laughs> but here's the thing. When, when we recognize that God is in control and we submit to that. Man, the assurance of your salvation and the assurance that your life has purpose and meaning and that he is going to work all things for your good. I, it, it just it just takes that burden off of you that you didn't I didn't have to do anything. Right. I didn't have to I didn't have to repent before being saved. I didn't have to have faith before being saved. It's because I was saved that he regenerated me like he gave me new life that I now believe and I have faith. And then I now repent because I want to cherish the gift that has been given to me. Right. Yes. That's a pretty good, uh, you found the photo. And yeah, I found the photo. It. It's a very small file. So I do apologize. But if you're watching on YouTube right now, you can see uh, their synergism is on the left. It's uh, it's kind of like a lifeline, like a, uh, a uh, what do they call it? a flotation device thrown at a grave. It's like that's synergism that God's like, he throws it out there, hopes that you grab on. But monergism is you see the hook going, it's yanking the guy out of the grave. That's monergism. I hope that helps uh, to 
clear that up for everybody. Absolutely. Uh, so we got a question that says, um, and if I'm missing any on the YouTube channel, forgive me. Uh, there are some, in parentheses, the lawless, that God will say to, I never knew you. Right. And here's the thing. We're not saying that if you're saved, you're always saved means that you can just go do whatever you want. That's right. Right. Like nobody. Why would you? No. Yeah. No true saved, regenerated person wants to do whatever they want. I want to do what Christ wants. Like if he told me to leave my family right now, go to Africa and serve his kingdom that way, I would. I would have to. I can't tell you to leave your family. (laughs) Well, he wouldn't. Right, he wouldn't do that. But for like, just to show the the drama of it, right? Like, I would do whatever he tells me to because I will not put father or mother, sister or brother before my king, right? Well, and specifically when I say family, let me just clarify. I meant like wife and child. Right, 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 right. right, Mom and dad is a little bit different. The Bible says that man, when you get married, you leave your mother and father. You cling to your wife. I do not love my wife more than I love Christ, and you shouldn't. Right. Or your and kids. I, right. And I cannot because, well, that would be an idol in my life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so we're not saying that now you can go and be this uh, antinomian person or this, the, the, what was uh, during Calvin's day, the libertines, right? This t- liberty to do whatever you want because you've been washed by the blood. Mm-hmm. You, I, I hope you guys understand that your sins were nailed to that cross, all the sins you did in your past, all the sins you did today, and every sin you do tomorrow and the tomorrows after that will be nailed to that cross. Don't add more sin to that cross. Honor yeah, him, I mean, cherish. Paul addresses Paul addresses the whole thing that you're saying right there. It's like, well, shall we shall we continue in sin that yeah, grace no may means. abound? Yeah, yeah says, Romans no. six one, right? Yeah, yeah. We shouldn't con- like God's great, like. God's grace is amazing. The Um, fact that he allows us to live and continue about our day with the corruption that like, I'll still, even as a, as a saved man, I still make mistakes. I still sin. I get angry tonight. I was angry tonight. I wasn't trusting in the Lord tonight. I was frustrated. You know, I was putting things above. I was letting anything that affects you that makes you feel a certain way is an idol unless it's the Lord. You know, it's it. So if I'm angry at my computer for not working right, that's because I'm I idolize my computer. I need it to make me feel good. I need it to work properly to make me feel good. So, like I still sin, but I I don't do it that God's grace would abound even more. I mean, that's what does that do for what Jesus did? That's like saying, well, what Jesus did on the cross, he should he should get up on the cross and die again. Like I acknowledge that he took my sin on the cross, but I'm going to go out and purposefully sin just to re-crucify Christ. Mm. No, nobody should do that. If you, I, and I don't want to like, I'm not going to mince words. Like if you are a Christian that is living in sin, you better really check your heart. You better really check to make sure where you are because no one with the Holy spirit can be content in their sin. It's not possible. And that's how you know who the brothers and sisters in Christ are. Because the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. God lives in you. When you are saved, he gives you a new heart. He replaces a stone heart with the flesh heart. So he's living inside of you. And the Holy Spirit and sin do not get along. Are you, are you, are, are you sinning by vaping? I would say so. You're, so for me, I, I don't. I, I, so, 
uh, I disagree. I, and I would, I would even take it to the It's a good thing that, that you, Logan is not in charge of your salvation. So that, you keep vaping uh, unless <laughs> the Lord tells you not to. I absolutely think it's sinful. Um, Why? All, Let's all, talk about it. Why is vaping sinful, Logan? Uh, it's It damages your body, right? Uh, your body is a temple. We should do everything uh, to the glory of the Lord, right? So Burger um, King is sinful. It McDonald's is, is sinful. Right? Yes, really? it is. Yeah. But you're, 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 you're going to so, consistently say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. So okay. I, I have an addiction to Red Bull. I really like Red Bull. Sure, um, I, like I, drink two, I drink two Red Bulls a day. Yeah. That's a problem. Not only is it fiscally irresponsible um, for my health, it's not responsible either. Well, um, I mean, fiscally for your health is, that's weird. Your health isn't paying for it. Well, I guess it does pay for it. I guess technically. <laughs> well, fiscally, fiscally, it's not like it. They're $5 for two. They are every expensive. Day times 30. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. It's not the best thing to do, but I, uh, I do find, I do find it interesting though, that, uh, that you would now for, for you, I would agree. If you say it's sinful and you still do it, then it's a sin unto you. But what I would say is God has like, Paul goes into detail that all things are okay. I mean, not okay per se, all things are, um, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me out. Help me out as I try Profit, to correct you. Profitable. All <laughs> well, things are. Uh, uh, not all, but not all things, not are, all profitable. things are profitable. All things are, yeah. oh gosh, I'm drawing Permissible. Permissible. Thank you. Thank you, Zilla. <laughs> Zia, Zillow. Uh, <laughs> can't wait for your movie. Uh, um, uh, but all things are permissible, right? So I would, I would consider vaping uh, nicotine would, use. Is a uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it. I don't think that it's healthy. Uh, in fact, I've been I am just now one month uh, about one month nicotine free. I was doing the patches, the uh, or pouches, the little uh, nick pouches, whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've been I've been free of that now. I the reason that Amen. I quit the reason that I quit doing that wasn't because I thought it was sinful, but because in Titus it says. Uh, when it's referring to deacons and elders qualifications mm. that uh, being addicted, it disqualifies you. And it doesn't say addicted to anything. It doesn't say specifically addicted to, but I knew that my addiction was disqualifying for me to be an elder in the church. Yeah. I think I'm addicted to sugar. That's not good. Yeah. So I, so any, when it when we are damaging our body, right? So, would would we say that it's permissible to snort cocaine, or do heroin? Yes. Or to do crystal meth? Really? Yeah. We're damn it, we're quite literally damaging the temple of our of the Holy Ghost. Our well, body I, should be honored as the Imago Dei that it is. I mean, I personally wouldn't recommend it for people to go try crystal meth or anything, but you know, we. Uh, in order to be consistent, you know, we have to think about the other things that affect us as well. Uh, you know, fast food, um, empty calories. Um, what else? Um, medicine. I mean, a lot of medicine many, changes many your body. Medicine. It changes your physiology. It, uh, it, it affects you in ways uh, that are outside of your control, uh, especially antidepressant, anti-anxiety type stuff. Um, so we have to be consistent all the way through. I think that's why, you know, for, again, I, I would agree that for you, it's sinful if, if that's where your heart is, if that's where you're feeling, but I don't know that I would be confident, 
confident enough to lay that onto someone else, especially after Paul says, you know, regarding uh, those who don't eat meat, those, you know, that especially meat that's been sacrificed to idols, you know, people have convictions about that. So if they eat, of course they're sinning. But for those that don't have that same conviction, we have to be, you know, we have to be careful in what we call, especially in those gray areas, what we would call sin. Yeah. So, I I mean, obviously there's different consequences for things, right? Heroin, things that make us less sober-minded um, are going to have uh, more dramatic effects on, sure. on, on the body, right? But, but beer is good. Would, would you assume or would you uh, agree that there is a diet that God would prefer for us to have? That there, there, there is a diet and there is a way of life at which is most profitable to people and our Imago Dei and our body. And, and regardless if you're struggling with the sin or not, right, or if you want to call it a sin or not, what yeah. are we trying to do? Are we trying to look more like Christ as much as possible? Um, or do we want to like just kind of hold on to those little things? Like I, I sure. think for well, where do we tell bad, where right? is Sure. But where is the line when it comes to legalism? Like, where does it come down to where we're doing? Uh, we are simply it goes back to it goes back to pride that that yeah, all of this goes back to pride. It's so good. Me, <laughs> me maintaining a certain diet or me not doing abstaining from something or uh, participating in something either adds or takes away from your salvation. Yeah. You um, know, I wouldn't say it's so much of a line as it is. Where does God have you and want you to go? Right. The same Holy spirit that is working in your life is the same Holy spirit working in my life. Right. It's not a different Holy spirit, but God uses us at different times at different places in different ways. And he has us where he needs us, where, where he wants us, not needs us um, Mm -hmm. for his purposes and his plans for his will to be performed. Um, and I think there's that's part of that sanctification process that for even to ask the question, is vaping wrong? Well, then that kind of alludes to the idea that there's something inherent inside of the individual that says, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Right. And, and, and I don't want to get into the legalism like, hey, you can't come into this church unless you're not you haven't vaped in a year. Or you, if you still do it, you can't come here. Yeah, that that's where it goes to the extreme. Right. Um, but encouraging people like, hey, maybe maybe this isn't the what God has planned for us. Well, let's work towards I mean, not it, living that way. In a lot of ways, I, I feel like I, I kind of get what you're saying. I do. Uh, but here's the problem, right? It can quickly lead to legalism. Right. Very quickly. And why? Yeah. Because of our pride. Right. Yeah. And we see that in the Pentecostal churches, right? If you're not, if you're wearing makeup, if you're cutting your hair, if you're not wearing dresses, uh, right. if you're not wearing long sleeve shirts for men, um, then you're tr- you're not truly walking with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit really isn't working in your life, and you haven't been uh, baptized by Holy Spirit fire because you obviously are still doing those things. Uh, that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. Hey, Pastor Slater's in here. Hey, look, we did get a Pastor Slater in here. That's nice. Awesome. Legalism is placing your personal conviction on someone else. Uh, yeah, I mean, but is it also, I mean, I agree, but I also feel like legalism isn't doesn't even have to like involve other people. I think people can be legalistic 
in their own right. Like yeah. just the idea yeah. of, um, for example, like, well, I'll, I'll speak like my, my wife, uh, used to feel like she needed to read if she wasn't reading her Bible every day, she was sinning right now. She didn't try to put that on anybody else to say, well, you need to read your Bible every day, but she would, would put this, uh, this requirement onto herself. And then when she wouldn't meet it because she would fail, she would, you know, get distracted or whatever. Uh, it became something that was, uh, you know, she's like, Oh my gosh, I'm just a failure. I'm just this, I'm just all of these things. And so, um, Oh, thank you. There's my wife right there saying, I think it can also be trying to please God by doing. Legalism can be trying to please God by doing. Hey, Rachel. Uh, and I, I agree. I just, I'm really caught. I'm actually really surprised, Logan, that you would take such a hard stance on the vaping thing. That's uh, well, so, I, so that's me in my own life, right? Like I, I, I as a fitness instructor, I want to be right. as healthy as possible. I want to, sure. uh, I'm an athlete, right? I don't drink. I don't smoke. I, um, I always want my body to be able to perform when necessary, right? If some, something were to happen, somebody attacked my family, I want to be able to defend myself. Sure. Um, I'm not saying that this person um, needs to feel the same conviction I do, but he, okay. when, well, that's when, a better when, clarification because I feel when like asking me if sure. it's a sin, I'm going to say yes. I, I believe yeah. it is. Um, I get it. I okay. I don't think we should do things to harm our body. Right. Cause it's a gift. Yeah. Um, and that, thank you for clarifying. I think that that actually makes, makes me feel a little bit better just for the purpose of everybody out here. I, I didn't want this person to like go away from the podcast thinking like, Oh my gosh, I'm like a terrible. Were, were we fighting? <laughs> were we? I wasn't fighting. I wasn't. I was, I felt like I was right. So I don't know what you're talking about. No. Hey, just like, look, just like our, co- our conversation about Reverend Brandon well, Robertson. All right. We have you and I have to be open and willing to be able to challenge each other's statements. And that's all things are permissible. Not all things are profitable. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But context is important, right? What things were permissible? What things were permissible? What are we talking about there? So Brittany says that that's how she feels regarding the if she doesn't read her Bible each day. Now, see, I don't think that you should look at it as a failure. What I think you should look at it as in um, don't look at it as I have to read my Bible. A look at it as I get to read the word of God. I get to read my word every day. And the days that I don't, I'm going to feel maybe like a little less great, but it's not a failure. I mean, we're all failures. We don't know God perfectly. We're all fail. We fail. That's the reason that Jesus had to come along was because we couldn't do it ourselves. And that's every aspect. Jesus fulfills all of that. The fact that the Holy Spirit resides in us says that God is pleased with you. That's it. Whether you read 10 passages of the Bible a day and you do your Bible reading program every year, or you never read it. The thief on the cross was with Christ in paradise that day. He knew no doctrine or theology and he wasn't baptized. And yet on that day, because of the proclamation that he made is truly you are God. That was, that was why on that day he was in paradise. So um, we have to get away from this, like it's good to be motivated, of course, and you should be reading your Bible every day. But don't beat yourself up when you don't. I do that. I beat myself up. Yeah, me uh, too. 
I was feeling like crap before coming on here, man. I didn't want to, uh, it's been, I mean, the day's been good, but, um, I, I feel like I fail, like as a dad, I feel like I fail constantly. Like it is so hard to, uh, know the standards of God and know what God, um, what God, you know, is uh, the the natural, the the perfect God given order, and to know that I fail, and mm. and it's and it, it's still arrogance. It's still arrogance to think that I'm doing something that's going to screw up someone else. It's still arrogant because it still says I'm still making the proclamation that what I can do can override what God is doing, right? But I still feel like I'm a failure. Um, when it comes to my kids, when it comes to my patience with my children. Um, I don't know why I said that. What were we talking about? <laughs> I'm getting emotional. Yeah. I didn't mean to do all that, but like tonight, my daughter was taking a bath and I kept telling her to stop drinking the bath water. Right. And she kept trying to challenge it. And so I saw her like, try to re like kind of like sneak around to drink the bath water. Mm-hmm. Um, and I screamed at her mm-hmm. and it, it startled her. You know, she jumped, yeah. And then cried and like, I felt so bad afterwards. Like I, I made her feel fearful, um, trying to make her correct her behavior. But yeah, man, like you got to I guess you got to eat your own words. What'd you tell me the other day? I was like, Hey man, I don't think I can measure up as a pastor. I don't yeah. know if I can do this. And you're like, Logan, you can't like, you who, can't. who's do, is, is, is it you doing it or Jesus doing it? Yeah. It's a lot easier when somebody else tells you that you can't though. <laughs> it's it's way harder when you're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to like, you know, feel like you need to measure up. You can't encourage yourself sometimes. Like that's look look how important that is to have someone in your life that can be like, "Hey man, stop being dumb. Like push on. Like keep going. Like if if we didn't have why do you think community is so important?" You know, the individuality and individualism of this postmodern society has done so much damage to the church to think that we can't be accountable or that we shouldn't be accountable to each other, that we shouldn't speak life and and speak correction into each other's lives as Christians. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, how dare you bother me with, you know, uh, me just living my life in my truth. You know, it's like everything is messed up. The the West is a very so the West is an individualistic society, right? The East is more collective. They're collectivist mm. societies, um, and in the West, because of this idea, this Greek philosophy of free will, this uh, libertarian free will, um, we we bring that in that culture into the church, and we're like, I go to church for me. It's a personal mm-hmm. relationship with Jesus in church. Well, no, it's not. It's not. It's it's corporate worship. And I, and I, I mean, you guys might not believe this. I do that when you worship with other believers at church, you are spiritually literally there worshiping at the throne of God. Mm. It is occurring corporately around with everybody else at the exact same time. We are corporately worshiping. I don't know, whatever your church time is, 11 o'clock, the 1030 service doesn't matter. You're, you're serving and worshiping God corporately with the body of Christ that is your local congregation. That's not personal relationship. That is corporate, right? And then when you go home and you have that, that devotional time and 
you know, you, you spend time with the Lord and you, you let him kind of shift your heart and change your mind more into Christ. That's when it becomes personal and that relationship is built. Mm. But I, I, you cannot separate the two, right? People, I, I see this all the time. People get mad when a thought like church authority has to be displayed on individuals. And they're like, you can't punish me. This isn't, this isn't real, right? Like mm. you don't have any real authority over me. You're just another sinner. Well, I mean, then you're not submitting to the word of God at that point. You're not submitting to church authority. And that's pride, right? You're not willing to take correction in that moment. Yeah. Um, and people will walk away from church altogether and be ex-evangelical because something was said to them that they didn't like, right? Or something was done that they they didn't agree with. Um, that That's so proud. Get over yourself. Yeah. Make I really like what... Reform Perspective says your personal relationship with Jesus is fundamentally manifested in the local congregation. There is a there is a need for each one of us individually within the body of Christ. Uh, just as Paul says, we're not all hands, we're not all eyes, we're not all ears, but each of us plays a role. We are all different members in the body, but we all have to function in sync with each other. Now that, I mean, I get it, like you can't, like, I can't uh, necessarily be in sync with everybody that lives in Georgia, you know, cause I'm in Missouri. Right. But the people that I am with on Sundays and, and walking this life and, uh, and working out my salvation with fear and trembling, those people, those are, those people need me as a body needs an arm. They, those people need me as a body needs eyes. You know, it's, we are to, Honestly, I think if you are if you are denying the the congregation and you're a believer, if you are denying your presence within the congregation, uh you are you are taking away from what God is supposed to be doing. Like what God says that we should be doing. You are taking away and and taking something from someone else that that's not yours to take. Yeah, I was about to say display his next comment. As a pastor, I have to teach this to my congregation continually. Mm. Absolutely, man. I yeah. you do. You absolutely do. Um, you have to constantly just correct and remind and encourage, and it just to the point that it's like, hey, like we let's. I don't know. Do like a quick church one one hundred one class for people. Like here, sure. just just quick reminder for you guys. Every every year, let's let's just go over these things again. <laughs> hey, I do have wanna, a. If you want to mute this individual? Uh, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. If, if, if the conversation all their time is not, coming in here yeah. just to talk about how much they hate God, uh, yeah. they hate God that they don't believe in, which is weird. Again, it's still I don't know why people hate God that they don't believe in. Uh, so I have a question for you, Logan. I was uh, reading this book and I proposed this question to my wife, and uh, she thought it would be a really good um, question to to maybe get some answers for on the podcast. So hear me out, and if you have any questions about it, maybe, uh, ask me. All right. So if sin is passed through father and mother to the children, okay. Uh, and all are made new in Christ. Is there a difference in children that are birthed by those that Jesus has saved? I'm going to, I'm going to repeat this again. So so So, you're saying that a mother and father who have been regenerated and born again, um, then have a child. Is that child sinless? 
not sinless. I, I'm not. I actually don't know what the the proper answer is. But my question is specifically: Is there a difference in a in a child that has been born in a covenantal promise between two believers that have done things to glorify God and have made it created a child? Are they? Is there something fundamentally different about them? And the reason that I ask is there are. You know, the, when God called the Jewish people as to be his people, those that were born, that's why the the, the purity within their own uh, nation and their own uh, race, I mean, race, would race be the right word? A nationality, you know, na- national purity, I suppose. Na- um, na- so, you know, Jewish parents, you know, they're talking old, they, you know, they raise their children uh, Jewish. They raise their children to be, to believe in you know the God of of the Old Testament. Um, my question was again, like kind of like, is there a difference in the ch- in children, and is this the basis of covenant theology? Is this the basis of covenant theology, or is this how a household ends up getting saved when the father, like the the when there was an example of the 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 whole house believed because of the faith of the father, right? Uh, or is this uh, is this how a spouse, an unbelieving spouse, is sanctified by a believing spouse? Is that is it the same idea wrapped into the fact that two believing Christians making a child is that child different in the eyes of God? Yeah, Wayne Grudem um, makes the uh, claim. I don't know how I feel about this. He makes a claim in his systematic theology book that uh, there is this uh, sense that God is honoring the children of Christians, right? Yeah. Um, Because they, especially when things are done um, under his declaration, right? His his decree of how things should occur. Um, And he'll, he'll even go as far to say that if you're saved, your, your kids will be saved and he will bring that, that lineage, that family, the same way he did with the Israelites. Um, I don't know if we know that to be true practically though. We see right. families, right. Where there's a family of Christians that we truly believe are saved and they live a good life. Um, John Piper would be a, a good example, right? His son, Abraham walked away. He's famous on TikTok for disgracing God. That's John Piper's son. Yeah. Abraham. Holy Piper, crap, John. dude. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, I I wanted to make a video and just I had no idea. I I, I just wanted to I want to make a video and I might do this one day, but I don't think it's fruitful to just make a video to Abraham Piper saying your father changed the way I perceive and understand a holy and righteous God. It is sad that you don't see it. Like John Piper is a huge influence in what brought me out of a life of antinomianism and legalism, because I went from one extreme to the, I went from antinomian straight to legalism because I felt like I had to make up for it. And it wasn't until John Piper laid down that I, because I couldn't, I never had this feeling of assurance of faith, right? I never knew that I was actually saved until John Piper laid it all down for me. Bro, um, I'm and blown he brought away. scripture alive. Yeah. So, but what do we do with that? John Piper, like we have that example and I mean, yeah. Abraham's not dead yet. Abraham might right. turn and come to true saving faith and God might use that to glorify him um, or God will use it to glorify him. He'll use all things to glorify himself. But my point is, is that 
you know, Abraham still has time. Um, we all- and that's good to know a reformed perspective. I'm glad to hear that, brother. John Piper was incredibly important to me too. Yeah. yeah. His, uh, his it- explanation of Tulip, actually, his series that he did, uh, mm-hmm. my wife and I watched that together when we were young Calvinists. And, and I think that made a big difference to her too. Dude, his poor church, they, he preached on Romans for eight years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's got a book too. It's like, it's like 150 hours book on tape all about, and I think it's only Romans 9. <laughs> 150 hours on just Romans nine. Uh, Bro, way to go, John. It's crazy. Well, dude, but, I, I didn't but, but imagine what Abraham. Oh, that right. breaks but, my so heart, like, dude. But let's apply that to the scenario, right? Yeah, oh. we got we we got just recover. We got. <laughs> Give me a second, dude. Let me. Let but me here's here's the thing: this. we don't know the inner workings of their family dynamic. That's right. right? Abraham That's probably right. felt really confined by the religious structure. That and the pressure that a, that John Piper was under as a as a uh, as a uh, professor and then mm-hmm. as a pastor, right? And he's done that his whole life, and his family just is there to be a part of that ministry with him. And that could be conf- like that can really restrict you. I can understand why he feels the 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 evangelical restriction, right? I think is how he explains it. Um, mm-hmm. Nevertheless, man, I, I think God is going to use both. Like He's going to use John Piper's other kids in a way that he's not going to use Abraham, I guess. You never or know he might. I happen. mean, and risk brings up a really good point. You don't know. He's not dead yet. You don't know what will happen on his deathbed. And uh, quite frankly, it's, it's really not up to us anyway. Like there, first of all, if, if if you grow up in the house where the gospel is preached every single day, this is the confidence. This is like the confidence that I've had in, in our children is they've been raised in a home where Jesus Christ is preached. He is an active family member in my home. The gospel is heard on a, on a daily, if not several times a day basis. So if they grow up and, and, and God doesn't save them, it's not for lack of trying. And, and when do I think that I have any power to save my kids anyway? Yeah. You know, so you, you have to, you have to come to you, whether you believe that God, you know, elects and calls or, or what, there's nothing you can do about that situation. When, when it comes to a, a, a non-believing child and a parent, if the gospel is preached, why didn't they believe? How do you affect, how do you answer that? How do, how do some ears hear the gospel and it falls on deaf ears and they walk away, never changed. That's a reality. So you can't like parents, there's nothing you can do <laughs> to save your kids. Um, other than share the gospel with them and pray that God saves them. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, to answer your question, um, is there something fundamentally different? Uh, I would say no. Um, I think it's a, an obedience of the parents to do things appropriately, yeah. uh, to raise their parents in or raise their kids in a household that we will serve the Lord, that God, right? Um, yeah. That we, that we will uh, be an example and, um, and oftentimes we put that burden on ourselves and we go to the extreme, like you're going to go to church. Well, 
I mean, at some point you're, you're you forcing it becomes, um, problematic, right? It becomes, uh, uh, what is the, what is the word I'm looking for? Where it's having a coercion. Uh, no, just where it's the effect of it is just, ah, uh, just completely left me. That's okay. And like an opposite effect, right? Like I'm trying to think of a, of the word for it. Anyways. Yeah. So where it eventually becomes adverse to what you're trying to do, man, I wish I could remember what I was trying to say. Uh, you'll think of it. Just keep thinking. Like you're in a but, prison. Yeah. I just, uh, oh, man, I'm still, I'm still processing the whole Abraham Piper thing, dude. I actually followed him for a while and I unfollowed him after watching some of his ex evangelical stuff, but I didn't mm-hmm. realize that he was John Piper's son. Yeah, man, that just, what, what must be going through the mind of John and his wife, you know, when, so he got asked live, oh, it wasn't live. He got asked on a desiring God episode and he answered it. Um, mm. Should a, should a pastor step down if his children are rebelling against God or are yeah. not confessing believers and walk away? Yeah. He's like, good ah, question. This, uh, he's like, wow, uh, this uh, hits me closely. Um, Cause this is one of my children. Um, they are not walking in faith any longer. Um, and I'm not going to spill it for you. You got to go watch the episode. It's a good episode. Um, oh, he goes into detail about it. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't think once, once adults make decisions that uh, you can hold them responsible, right? Especially when yeah. that pastor, that elder, that deacon has done what they're supposed to do. Well, and look, I'm going to respond to Joe Charles' uh, comment right there. He says that's ridiculous. Every walk is personal, but the Bible, clear specifically as a qualification for elders and deacons, um, there. I don't. I'm not going to get the wording right because I don't have it in front of me. But um, having kids that are not not believing, but kids that are rebellious in in the sense of you know. Uh, being problematic, that is a disqualifying factor for elders. Now, I think there may be, uh, I hope that there would be some sort of like, a, well, they're no longer kids anymore. Like they get right. married, they leave their father and mother, they go off to be, you know, they cleave to their wife. God will hold them uh, responsible. So I don't necessarily think that that would disqualify well, a pat. But if they're younger and living under their household still, I think that would be a big uh, that would be a big disqualifier. Well, and contextually we're referring to, you know, behaviors, right? How the child is acting in the home. Are you able to discipline? Are you able to correct? Are you able to con- right. keep your children from running amok? Right. Right. Um, and are you doing what you can to raise them? It's actually because of Joe, uh, that I found Abraham, uh, Piper's, uh, TikTok. And then I found oh, no out, kidding. oh, this is, yeah, this is Abraham Piper. Oh, and that, that was the first time I ever knew what he looked like. Yeah. And I started watching his stuff and it was just like, wow, this completely left yeah. field from what his father teaches, uh, which made that episode break my heart even more. Like when I yeah. actually put a face to it, when you hear John kind of get choked up about it, you're like, wow. So. Yeah. Um, well, hey, that's thank you, Logan, for answering that question. I think that you did it justice. I'm glad I was able to to write it down and present that. Uh, I do think that that's an interest. I'd like to continue studying on that because for me, what I really want to understand is what God means when he says the uh, the unbelieving spouse will be sanctified or saved through the believing spouse. Um, 
I think that they're, you know, because that seems like that seems like a mystery to me. Uh, and it, you don't it, you don't just see it as an act of evangelism that they so right well, now in because my they can't. It, that's not an all-encompassing statement, though. I, I've met spouses that, you know, it, are not believing. Now, I mean, obviously, I haven't followed them through from life to death, but it does seem to me just like the whole pastor's son or daughter thing. Um, it seems to me that I, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen that in pract in practice. I guess. Have you seen that, or, or what are your keep keep telling me what your thoughts are there? Uh, so. In our men's group, we have a, a gentleman. His uh, his wife is not a believer, right? And he wasn't either until two years ago. And the Lord stopped him in the middle of the road and told him to uh, come to faith. And he just wow. like bawled his eyes out and changed his whole life. But his wife sees the change in him. Everyone around him has seen him completely do a one eighty. Um, and I think God is going to use that change and that drive. Like he, like he's he's the one I was referring to that is just on fire for God. Like yeah. he just wants to know everything, read everything. He just he just wants to keep eating as much as he possibly can. Um, and the world around him sees that, like, and his wife sees that. Um, and in time, that influence is going to be there, and it's going to take a that stone heart, and it's it's going to be the seed, like that the Holy spirit is going to use to yeah. you know, bring, bring her to faith well, or God gives the increase, you know, right. God is or the one that does right? work. Well, and I and, think it's different, you know, in the, in the order that God has created man and women, I think, I think I can definitely buy the idea way more. If it's the husband that converts, the wife typically seems to follow along in the natural order of how God has created marriage. It does seem like the husband's influence greatly influences the wife. But I do see in a lot of in a lot of instances, it's the wife that is attending church and and worshiping Jesus, and the husband is nowhere to be found. And I do, yeah. I do wonder, you know, I I I really do want to understand that more in practicality about the the unbelieving spouse, and and maybe there's other people that can give their testimonies. Uh, it took me twelve years with my husband, who's always been a believer. Oh wow, so Riss. Okay, so that's what I'm looking for right there. So is that are you saying you were with your husband for twelve years and he was a believer and you weren't? Like that's what I want to hear. Like that's the testimony that I want to hear to confirm what the Bible says. So if that's what you're saying, uh Rissa, that's uh what a what a blessing. What an amazing testimony of God and the a confirmation. She's saying yes, a confirmation of the word of God being true. What an amazing thing, man. That is amazing. Oh, so awesome. I, I love it. Thank you. I love it. Yeah, should we, we actually went live, uh, Rissa, I believe, and we talked about that. It was a, it was actually a really, uh, I don't know. It was just fruitful for me to hear it. Um, yeah. So one of, the, one of the men from my men's group is watching and he said, I see the believing spouse passage with the children talking about being sanctified in the sense of set apart. Like the nation Israel was set apart from the pagan nation through, uh, though ah, not, all, like not all of Israel was saved, but yes. the covenant community is a community that is set apart from the secular community, but that might be my covenantalism <laughs> bleeding through. He's very covenantal. I well, I like it. <laughs> I mean, that's, well, that's why I wanted to ask about it because, uh, I, you know, I do, I, I affirm covenant theology, but I'm still learning so much about it. Um, 
and and really understanding and appreciating it more. Uh, I've wrestled with infant baptism, the idea of infant baptism because of covenant theology. To me, it's the most it's the most convincing argument so far for infant baptism is the idea of covenant theology, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on it. So uh, good to hear confirmation on that. And that's ultimately why uh, I asked that question. And so thank you guys for that. Thank you everybody for that. Nobody is saved. I, why would you come into a, uh, Never mind. I'm not going to okay. even give him, Never mind. <laughs> I'm so, not going to look at so, comments. I promise. So, recap right so we've gone over so the 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 topic for tonight was pride yeah right um and we moved into the pride of assuming our own salvation uh allowing god to move um the pride and arrogance of us um i i guess in our our own households how we how we go about doing things in our own sin our own sin nature um what about in the sense of uh, this dynamic? Is there is there pride there as well? This um, spouse leading another spouse can that be become prideful? That yeah, I think the, it could in a in a sense of being dangerous. Like when it comes to treating somebody uh, badly, you know, um, not having grace for them, not having patience for them can be. Uh, points of pride. I mean, pride comes before the fall. I actually believe that most sins are rolled into pride. The reason that we sin uh, most, the, the reason that we commit most sins is ultimately because of pride. It, it it really boils down to, I think that I can do this. I think I know better than God, so I'm going to do it. And uh, I'll take the consequences later. But it ultimately comes down to a sense of, of pride in us. Um, yeah, I don't Do you feel like, uh, what, what do you feel about that? Uh, I actually had to ended up crying my eyes about crying my eyes out about this. I I take a lot of pressure for like the the, the calling that's been put on me. Yeah. Um and I beat myself up about it a lot, but my wife and I are not on the same level and maturity of our uh our walk with Christ, right? Uh what what I love that my wife has this genuine childlike faith for Christ that she just trusts him completely. And I wish I had that, right? I wish I could just like not be in my own head about things and contemplate things. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, even when I explained to her what Calvinism was and why I believe it, she was like, I don't know. That goes against everything I was ever taught. I, I just, that sounds wrong. Like, right. And so we're just not in the same stage of our, of our walk with Christ. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember what exactly I said, but the gist of it was, is like people expect you to be a certain way because they expect me to be a certain way. Um, and, and a lot of that comes from like army officerness, right? Like oh yeah, for sure. Like a, the army wife to act and behave a certain way and do certain things. Um, I really needed to repent of that, right? Like I mm. put pressure on my wife that was not necessary. Um, it wasn't fair to her, right, to yeah. put this guilt on her just because she's not in the same place that I am. I was proud. I was prideful. Like, I, you, you're going to have to measure up because we both, like, God's called me to do something. You got to do it with me, right? In, in, in my defense, she did agree. I came to her first. I was like, I think God's called me to do this. What do you think? She was like, that's an amazing, I, I, I love it. 
I 100% support you. Yeah. Um, and that, I guess, in, in one way gave me this idea that I can now put pressure on her to yeah. meet me where I'm at so that we can do this ministry together. And it's, it's not true. Um, and she deserves a bigger apology than what I've given her. Like I, yeah, that was, that was absolutely, that was a big fight. Like, I'm it sure. A, it was a big, big, big sin in my life. Well, and it's really interesting. That's not, you're not alone in that because there's been moments in, in my marriage where, uh, I felt like my wife should be a certain way or my wife felt like I should you know, be reading my word more. I mean, there's lots of different things. Like we all have expectations. Uh, we have expectations for ourselves. We have expectations for our spouses. Um, and we have those expectations almost kind of based on like our own, well, because I'm doing this, you should do it. Or because yeah. my parents did this, this is the way it should be. And God has created like, not we're not we're not clones guys like every single person is is different and has their own struggles and different things that they go through um and we have to just sometimes we have to step back from ourselves and and really ask god what am i doing like where like assess have god show you expose your areas of failing and faults expose your um shortcomings uh, and the things that you are holding on to, like the little pride things that we're grabbing and grabbing onto and holding on and trying to tuck under our arms and sleep with at night. Like, oh no, I'm never, never going to give this up. You know, we're all individuals. We all, we all need to uh, have as much grace and patience for each other that God has for us. And we have to stop thinking that we're supposed to look a certain way. Yeah, we got, and we got to start putting that on others. Right. And I mean, you can kind of assume that that's what I was doing with the whole vaping thing. Right. Like, because I believe that I shouldn't drink because I'm an athlete and I do this, live this type of lifestyle that you're going to have to, too. Well, no, no, God's going to, you're going to be right where God wants you to be. Yeah. We're all born exactly for this time and what we're doing. And, uh, God has created each one of us for this exact moment in time. There has never been a June 8th. What is it? 8th, 6th, June 6th. <laughs> there's a, it hasn't been a June 8th yet. Uh, there's never been a June 6th, 2022. You know what I mean? There's like never, everything is new. Um, so Never been a D-Day part two, right? That's Happy right. D-Day, everybody. Uh, thank, thankfully, yeah. Thankfully, there hasn't been a D-Day part. Not yet, anyway. Who knows? Uh, our pastor, uh, here, I want to hear your thoughts on this, so... Um, our pastor this Saturday was talking about how he's just been feeling pressed to like, God has been kind of showing him that like we are, we're on the precipice of, of some sort of awakening and revival. And this is very similar to the things that I've said in the past. Um, but he also is concerned that it may not come without there being a battle and like a, a legit, like, like a destruction of the things that we know and love and, and are comforted in our government, in our world. Um, it may come with, uh, devastation may come first before a revival. Uh, what do you think where, where, where we are right now, um, in the world, in the situation, uh, what, what are you feeling? I would say he's wrong, like right in one aspect, wrong um, that if there's not a revival, there will be devastation. 
right? If the revival doesn't occur appropriately. Well, I think he was more or less saying that it would, the revival would be coming out of the devastation would, would be a result of the devastation. I hope so. Um, cause I, I see it too. Um, I don't know, like trying yeah. to like say like, oh, let's, you know, but pattern recognition is an important tool that we should all use to really yeah. evaluate the, our surroundings, right? Um, I really encourage you guys to like train yourself to understand pattern recognition. Uh, one of the things we teach in the Army for Advisors is guardian angel training, right? How to assess your surroundings in the room, your heuristics, right? You, you have a natural ability to assess danger, Um in, within the realm of heuristics, uh, for example, like if I drive down a street, I subconsciously recognize things that tell me that uh, are quickly alerting my mind to things of danger, right? Uh, graffiti on walls, bars on windows. And I know maybe I've taken a wrong turn down a neighborhood that it's a little rougher. Um, it naturally happens in each of us. Uh, but being able to understand your heuristics and your pattern recognition really helps. So, um and I think that's what he's seeing, right? He's, he's subconsciously picking up on a lot of that. Um, there, something's going to have to change. Um, I, 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 I believe that it's going to be more of a outlawing of, of the faith in the West um, yeah. pushing us East. And I think the uh, church growing in the East is a sign that it's, prospering and what will eventually have to be like our our will be refugees you know maybe mm. not not in the next 50 years or longer but yeah um if there i i would i would say um if there's not a revival uh the destruction would occur i, I see what you're saying that through the destruction yeah. the revival comes right through the pain um that persecution whatever it may be will uh bring a beautiful thing right yeah are you tapping your Person. microphone stand? I am. Sorry. Please stop. <laughs> Sorry. I can hear it, dude. I can hear every tap. Just like, hey, look, I was my, I was on my keyboard, so I'm. I fidget. Yeah. yeah. Well, get a fidget spinner or something, dude. Not your microphone. That's the worst thing to fidget on. <laughs> so. Critical. Sorry, had to throw that in there and just wreck the whole, the whole atmosphere of everything that you were saying. Wait. So, but he thinks that there's going to be like some massive, just like civil war part two. Yeah. And from I, I the mean, ashes of that, we have a revival. Well, either, either war or revival is what Rach is trying is saying. And I think that that was kind of what he was saying. I think it could be both. I think we could see, uh, I, I, if we continue, if our country continues to go down the path that it's going, uh, with the, um, just the lack of morality, man. Like the, the, just the utter, the utter um, disobedience to the standard or the, the, the order that God has placed on the world. Like the further, we just keep getting further and further away from God's natural created order when it comes to gender, when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to what we approve, uh, what, you know, um, I watched an awesome video about Vody. Uh, it was Vody Bacham saying, I, I, maybe we talked about, actually, I talked to Rachel about this. He was like, you wouldn't see somebody in a pulpit saying, I know a lot of adulterers. They're pretty good people. You know, adulterers, they're struggling with adultery, but they're really like, you wouldn't see that from the pulpit. I'm friends with a ton of adulterers, but you see that when it comes to homosexuality, you see pastors that are, that, that will go up and be like, you know, 
I'm friends with a lot of gay people, you know, they're good people, whatever. Like we wouldn't say the same thing. And so we've, we've really got it wrong. We've got it wrong in, in pastors have got it wrong. The church has got it wrong. The United States is no longer the center of, of the movement of God. I mean, we, uh, not that God has left this place, but God is moving in other places in other ways. Uh, I think I'm, we're seeing it in the East, like you said, with the underground church, we're seeing it in Africa, although it's a lot of prosperity stuff, it's still a movement. It's still Jesus being preached, right? So just like it says in Galatians that, you know, people, some people will preach out of their own selfish desires, uh, for their own selfish reasons, but it, it's still the gospel. It's still Jesus being proclaimed. Uh, and you know, I, just like I was saved after reading the left behind series, hearing the gospel in a series, in an eschatology that I don't even believe in, but mm. I was saved by hearing the gospel in that. So there's a movement going on. It's not happening in America anymore. We see Europe has gone so far downhill away from where they were as the leaders of the reformation. Yeah. Like going from that to this complete godlessness now in the UK uh, America is following suit right behind. Postmodernism is going to be our downfall. Yeah, it's Manuel Kahn gonna... is responsible for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was actually uh, intellectual thought was that you like in in academia um, prior to Immanuel Kant, it was respectable to believe in uh, a deity, right? It didn't mean Yahweh, but it did mean that you Something. believed in a uh, first cause, right? A, a uh, the law of causality is obvious, right? So you can see cause and effect. So there had to be an uncaused cause. Um, that was respectable Just until Immanuel Kant flipped it, right? Mm. And now academia says, hey, you're, it, it's childlike to believe in a God. Um, yeah, but, isn't that weird? Uh, yeah, so Joe was saying, yeah, it's, it's, it's so weird like to see the flip. And then you see the destructive nature that follows through that, right? When we start questioning everything, because all of this is, is a question of, of God, right? Every, everything that we're seeing on, on, and I'm going to say left, not in the sense of Democrat, but left in the sense of um, opposing to uh, a biblical worldview. Um, it, it, all of it is an attack on God himself, right? Um, but Cho says we we may need we may not need to be the majority in America uh, as nice as it would be. Yeah, it would be nice, right? And I don't think we um, ever will be the majority uh, in the America today, right? Yeah. The the American dream is antithetical to the gospel, guys. It is America. America wasn't um, although like we had the pilgrims come here and people escaping for religious freedom. This nation was built on tobacco. <laughs> and then and right? then cotton like That's it why was... you hate it so much vaping obviously manifest destiny all of it was just this idea that you go and make your life what it is and be prosperous and in a wealth sense in a in a greedy sense and slaves look yeah so the reason there was slaves in america slaves, was because of tobacco <laughs> yeah. right and because of cotton right yep. when cotton became king man we needed people to pick it right and, but here and then watch how fast that 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 people became property yeah right as as that is that is that desire for wealth continued. And, and even think about manifest destiny, right? People are heading West 
I just smacked my microphone. Well, it's better than you play than you tapping it the whole time. So Sorry. that's fine. <laughs> and and they're heading west to go and just gain wealth and make something and, and pursue this uh, this American dream that they've been promised. Um, and in the process, they they sacrifice the gospel, right? And I'm not saying that you know Christianity didn't prosper in the in in the midst of that, um, but the the American dream is not. It's not the gospel. It's not. I want. I want to see, dude. I'm telling you, and and this. I think our purpose for this episode was originally going to be talk about the prosperity gospel. Yeah, uh, but you really I, threw like, me. For, I I studied. I had notes. I was like, all right, we're going. Well, talk we about can do a whole episode about it because I've been I've been reading this book or listening to this book on tape called <laughs> he, Blessed. He changed the episode on me. I didn't mean to. I had a bad night, dude. This is this is what the <laughs> Lord wants us to talk about. Don't get mad at me, man. Uh, but, um, I've been, I've been, uh, listening to blessed by Kate Bowler, which is a history of the prosperity gospel movement, which is why I wanted to talk about it, uh, tonight, but, uh, it, it's a good segue and we can close out cause we're going about, um, we're about an hour 40 now, but, uh, the, I want to see the downfall of the prosperity movement. I want to see mega churches destroyed and not saying that I'm going to destroy them. So uh, I'm not for, yeah. Uh, You know what that's going to require, right? Yeah. It's going to require, it's going to require putting Christians Christianity. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, if you're ready for it, I am. Let's do it. We dude. we have like, what is the cost of being a Christian? Like it's, there's no cost. There's no cost of being a Christian. What does it mean to pick up your cross and walk with Jesus? It means nothing in America. So we need, we, we need, we need, the, the church needs to be debased and, and brought back because, uh, you know, there are God-fearing people. There are people that truly love Jesus that are in great churches and doing the work. But when you say Christian in America, you think of Joel Osteen, uh, Creflo Dollar, uh, T.D. Jakes, Joyce Meyer, these these blasphemous people that are just bastardizing the word with no relationship with God, but only only focusing on bringing in money. And uh, I just wish I, I wish it would all be destroyed, man. I wish that these guys I wish that they would take away. Honestly, I'm a proponent of take away tax free status of churches. Take them away to make it a cost to be something, to be a Christian, take away the tax-free mm. status because the people abuse that. They abuse it financially. People do it for personal gain. Um, look at Scientology. If, if there, if there was a, ta- if we weren't, if, if we had taxes for the churches, Scientology wouldn't exist. It wouldn't exist. It, it has nothing. There's no foundation or structure other than the fact that it is a, a money making pit for the people that are in yeah, it. It's money uh, laundering really. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked the question in here and uh, we'll, we won't go too long. Somebody asked, have you seen the, what is a woman documentary yet on daily? Ah, I can't, I can't wait. I can't I saw, wait. I've seen like nine parts of it. It's really good. Uh, My I boss saw it, has like, a subscription. So he's going to like, I'm, I think I'm going to go tonight at his house and we're just going to watch it. Nice. So he hasn't watched it already. Um, I've watched a good, uh, probably about half of it, and uh, it is really, really good, man. I, I wish that uh, I would hope that the Daily Wire would make that free. People need to watch that video. Um, we yeah. need to know what we're faced in, faced with, in today's society, in today's world. It's very well done. So yeah, Stephen Furtick's another one, Bailey. I look, I before I did before I was even on TikTok many, many, many years ago. I used to do a, a Facebook. Um, 
page called the dirty Christian. And it was all about discipleship, but it was like calling. I did a lot of calling out like bad teachers, false teachers, kind of the, the same thing that the Instagram account, the preachers with sneakers does where you just kind of expose this, yeah. you know, he got, this, he got some time. He's got, he's, he got some fit, what, 15 minutes of fame on the Hillsong documentary. Yeah, he sure did. But like, I was but doing he, a lot of that ministry uh, on Facebook. It's Furtick is one of those guys. He's up there with with uh, Bethel. With uh, there's so many churches that are are just yeah, nasty. Bethel man. Hillsong event. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, elevation. So real quick, guys. What and kind of what we're talking about here, and the reason we would say that it would require the outlawing of Christianity in America for these groups to go away and why that's important. And I would really encourage you guys to read two books, the God smuggler by brother Andrews. All right. I I wrote that one down before. And the insanity of God. Um, I think I wrote both of these down and, and honestly radical by uh, David Platt. And regardless what you think about him today, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, Michael Horton's book. He's not as woke as you think. No, he's not. But Michael Horton does a great job uh, responding to radical with ordinary. I highly recommend it. I, instead of actually, I would say even without reading radical, read ordinary because it's so good. It's a uh, response to radical. Yeah, yeah. It's even the same color. The book is is orange. It's the same color as uh, as radical, and it's the idea that Platt says. Platt says, you know, the, you know, the, this idea of this, this radical um, living out your life radically can give the impression that there is a certain, like, if you're not doing something radical for Jesus, Mm. then, you know, you're um, maybe lacking, but ordinary kind of uh, comes alongside of that and says, Hey, God has created us to be peaceful, quiet, keep to ourselves people as Christians. You know, if at all possible, try to live in peace with other people, but live quiet lives. The gospel, like the, the, the epistles are full of live quiet lives, live away. You know, you don't need to be in the limelight, live ordinary lives. And Horton does a great job in explaining uh, and using scripture to say like you're already in your ministry. If you are alive and you are a believer, you are in your ministry. There is nothing radical that you need to do. You are in it, and, and it was something I I want to write a book eventually, and yeah, I've been wanting to. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, I just I, I can't write. I'm, I I'm have an idiot. I, and I can, but I'm lazy and I'm a, a procrastinator. So I will eventually write it when I'm like seventy. But uh, oh, somebody's asking about your books. Um, the books that you just mentioned. What what were they? Uh, the uh, God Smuggler by Brother Andrews. And the insanity of God, and I cannot remember the author's name. It's a, he uses a fake name um, because of yeah. When he wrote the book, people were still alive. Um, so God Smuggler is about Brother Andrew smuggling Bibles into uh, Russia during the Soviet regime, right? Um, so while yeah. the Iron Curtain was still up uh, after World War II, uh, great, great book. Basically, you see that people are willing to memorize and keep and cherish scripture um when it's taken away um and the insanity of god talks about people uh giving their lives for god in in the same sense right and not willing to compromise the gospel uh for the world around them it is uh they both 
really made me have a radical understanding of how I cannot compromise my faith. Right. Um, and I, and I think David Platt's radical is, you know, in the sense of a comfort Christianity, sure. He, he's calling us to be more than yeah. the, the, what we've been. Um, but yeah, I got to read ordinary. That sounds great. Cause it goes alongside like, Hey, here's how we should behave. Yeah. Um, we should, we should desire to do missions anyways. Doesn't mean we need to go out and like, hold up a sign that says, Hey, yeah. I'm doing missions. Well, and I think maybe that was more of his response was cause Platt was like, you know, you know, he kind of took the Francis Chan attitude of like, sell everything and just go do work for God all the time. Right. Like that, that's a radical idea. And it's, it's not, uh, it's not an ordinary thing that people would do. And I think Horton comes back with it and says, that's all right if that's what God has called you to do, but not everyone is called to live a radical life. In fact, the majority of Christians are actually called to be quiet, live quiet and peaceful lives amongst the people that they're around. And the, the concept for the book that I wanted to do is is called Five Feet. And this happened like way, way before COVID and the six feet social distancing. But uh, the idea, the concept of five feet is that your ministry is within your with is is within five feet around you at all times. Wherever you mm. go, you are in your ministry. When you go, when you leave your home and you go to work, your five feet has changed. Your ministry is now where you are. When you go out to eat with your family or or with friends, that's your ministry. When we're on this podcast, that's our ministry. We're in our five foot radius. So the idea is that you're always doing ministry. And so when you can when you pick up that concept and can embrace the fact that you are doing exactly what God has called you to do, you don't need to wait to build a ministry. You are in your ministry right now doing exactly what God has called you to do. So embrace it. Yeah. To, to me, that was, that was more changing than the idea of like, I just, I need to go create a podcast that worships Jesus, you know, or I need to create a, a nonprofit or something. It's like, no, I'm just being with my kids. That's my ministry. Amen. Talking on the phone with my wife or, you know, spending some married people time. That's my ministry. And your most important ministry. Yes. Right. It's your most important ministry is your five feet at all times. What's Raising up, least up of these? <laughs> Raising up children that will truly honor God, love God, make Christ Lord over their life, submit to his kingship over them. Yes. And, and not compromise the truth of the of God's word and the truth of the gospel for his word is truth, right? He is truth to, to raise them, to be firm in that. And then that to watch the legacy of them raising the next generation, the next generation um, to the point of, I don't know what this future holds, but to the point that they die for it yeah. is a beautiful thing. Um, There's nothing better that you can do to prepare your children to die for the name of Jesus Christ. And I know that that sounds like a crazy thing, but listen, this world, if they aren't ready to die for him, they will live for someone else. If you're, if you are not raising your children to die for Jesus Christ, they will live for someone else. And that doesn't mean that they have to die. That doesn't mean that they're going to die. I mean, they're going to, we're all going to die, but if in, in the, the Bible's clear. Those who deny me, I will deny before my father. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you have to be willing to lay down your life for the, for the proclamation that Jesus Christ is King. And if you aren't willing to do that, and if you are not preparing your family, your children to do that, they will live for someone else. 
you know, stand up for something or fall for everything. Would y'all pray over me? We will absolutely pray for you there, Wild. Yeah, I, I did. I did some. I just messaged her uh, to. Uh, it says do. <laughs> I, I put DM us. Excuse that typo. That is embarrassing. That's um, no, okay. Well, you didn't mean. <laughs> D, uh, so DM us. We'd love to pray over you. Um, yeah. That is and speaking a of which, horrible message. You can. Uh, you guys can email us if you guys ever have questions. If there's anything that you guys want to talk about. Uh, if you just need some advice or, or whatever, doctrinesofrad at gmail.com. We are happy to pray. In fact, if you just have prayer requests, Logan and I can both share uh, the the uh, the prayer requests. Uh, I can send him the emails and we can pray over you guys uh, or any specific things that you guys have for prayer. I mean, that's what we are called to do. We are called to pray for, encourage one another, lift each other up. Uh, if if a person in the body is struggling, we are all struggling. And doggone it, if you don't believe that, then I don't consider you to be part of the body. So Amen. I'm telling your wife, Logan. Yeah. Logan's so, full of missteps. He's playing with his microphone. Uh, he's misspeaking. He's a big jerk. Nobody likes this isn't guy. Isn't it crazy how <laughs> one word changed the entire context of, which is important with scripture, right? So That's one word right. Can Bring it back to the, the truth. Entire- <laughs> Bring it back to truth. One word can change I, the entire meaning. That just that was you horrible. just isogeted yourself, bro. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was so flustered, Red. That was embarrassing. Yeah. That yeah, that went to a sexual yeah, you should, level. You real should quick. feel I'm yeah, so you should sorry. be total, totally embarrassed by that. How dare you? Um, no, it's all good. Yeah. We all misspeak, but yeah, we do want to pray for you guys. You can uh, send us emails if you have questions, any covers that you want us to, anything you want us to cover on the podcast. Uh, to talk about we'll probably won't do it because we never end up sticking with what we say we're going to do but uh i think next week we're gonna have a guest right logan do we have somebody lined up for next week we do uh laura uh we're going to talk about abortion and what it's like to work in a uh um she works in a clinic that helps educate and teach women how to um you know what they're going through and what their options are um and uh, it's that a sounds awesome. Organ- yeah. So she's, she's just got a wealth of knowledge uh, and just the, I know it's anecdotal, but just the, the experiences that she's had to go through with women in moments of what seems to be the most dire mm. decision of their life. And uh, they, they walk them through just um, making the best decision for them. Right. So they never uh, condemn the mother or put them in a position to feel guilty in any way yet at the same time honoring them and giving giving them an opportunity to uh, choose life so that's a, that's actually that's very exciting so we're going to be talking to uh, and i think that, you know what's one one of the great things about that is you know planned parenthood is not the only pregnancy resource center out there in fact planned parenthood is is murdering babies okay there are pregnancy resource centers out there that do more than Planned Parenthood could ever do. They educate you. They take care of they take care of a mother's needs. Uh, and they can help with the process of getting you know getting adoption started if necessary. But they will do everything that they can to get to to keep that child alive, and um, and help the mother in any situation, usually with no questions asked. Uh, there are so many resources out there. Unfortunately, all we know about is Planned Parenthood because that's how the devil works. 
and the 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 evil that is in this nation uh, will continue to promote evil. So, well, I think that's great having a uh, having a person like that on here will be um, be clutch, bro. I'm I'm pretty happy. And a uh, personal sending- prayer for for me, guys, if y'all don't mind uh, praying for me. I have a I'll be preaching next weekend on uh, mm. imputation. Um, so just pray that the Lord speaks. And I get out of my own way. Um, and if you guys want to email us, email us at the doctrines of rad at gmail.com, um, where we will do our best to answer all your questions, pray for you, um, so on and so forth. All right. So real quick, Royal Hope, you got us for about five more minutes. I'm not going to go over two hours. So let's hear your question. You've got a question, but it has nothing to do with the podcast. Let's hear it. We'll wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to hear it, but thank you guys. We'll say this for now. Thank you guys for coming out and, and hanging out with us tonight, whether it's been on TikTok uh, or it's been on YouTube. Uh, this is the most we've never had eight people. Now we have five now, but we've never had eight people in here watching. So that is the nice. first time uh, that we've had a lot of people joining us. So I'm very grateful for you guys uh, coming in. Let's uh, let's see if uh, if Royal Royal Hope Mission gets that question in before we end up closing out. Um. So yeah, next week we'll do uh, we'll talk about abortion. That'll be a good. We've we've done a podcast on abortion, but lo, I think it'll be more focused on uh, on what just the the resources the, for for mothers? yeah the resources the alternative uh, uh, the truth that uh, the the media doesn't tell us, especially um, the behind the scenes stuff that really occurs when yeah or when women are at their lowest point and they're trying to make a decision mm. and the differences between going to Planned Parenthood where that decision is kind of made for you uh, and quickly and kind of told to you that it is your, your, uh, (laughs) your, your best decision, right. Versus giving women the education necessary for them to see the resources that are available, not just during pregnancy, but after um, and all the resources that continue to that the that we provide as a church that we provide as a community as a nation there are resources that will help you um, raise your kids um, and provide for them. So. so we do we do the podcast every Monday at nine Central Time uh, live on YouTube and on TikTok, so you can join us. So that's when we will be live next week, uh, unless we do an extra special episode in the middle of the week, which we may end up doing too. Uh, you never know. Yeah. But uh, shoot from the hips. Yeah. I mean, I feel like everything that we do is shoot from the hip. I just let the Lord kind of guide us. And, you know, if we make mistakes, that's okay. Cause we're not, you know, we're not perfect people. Uh, we, uh, we will just kind of figure we're figuring life out too. We're not any better than anybody else in here. And that brings us back to the original topic, which was pride. And we are not any better. Uh, we definitely don't think of us, uh, of ourselves. I mean, I think I'm better than Logan. But I don't Correct. think that I'm better than any of you guys. But it's really just because He's, I am better than Logan. He is better. He was yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, an E7 in the Navy. That's right. And, That's right. That, that deserves credit That's, and respect. Doggone it. Call me chief. You better call me chief. You better call him chief. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thanks, right, guys. Did again. you ever get her question in? No. Uh, no, I think. Uh, is it a she, Royal Hope Mission? I thought it was a guy. Yeah, no, that's I don't Crystal. know what I thought. Oh, Crystal. Well, I'm very sorry, Crystal. Thank you for never correcting me. Uh, <laughs> but no, she she didn't ask. But we'll get we'll get that question. You can send it in as an email. Uh, we love uh-huh. you guys. Really do. Thank you so much for coming out. Check us out on TikTok. 
uh, and uh, all the other things on the internets. And we will see you guys next week, nine central. God bless you. And we are take care.